the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Always good to be with you. We're together every day from 3 to 5. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, and you can watch us now at KKLA.com. You know, we live in a time where I think it's important for the church to adapt. It's always that time. A friend of mine likes to say when he's a consultant, a church consultant, he goes into churches and tries to help them, you know, move past things that are holding them back. And the first question he always asks them is, what year is it here? Because he wants to try to assess, you know, how long has it been since you've adjusted how you go out to try to reach people, how you share the gospel in a culture that views things differently. And with me to talk about this and uh, many other things uh, that will come up is uh, Dr. Ed Stetzer. He is the Dean of Talbot School of Theology at Biola University and the Scholar in Residence and Teaching Pastor at Mariner's Church in Orange County. He also hosts the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. He's the Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and a few other things uh, uh, Ed, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It is great to be back in the land of Pastor Scott, so thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. When I read uh, all the things you're doing, I feel like maybe you lack direction. It's fair. I do struggle with finding things to fill my calendar, but you have to remember that you know I've got a great team. You know, I got the the the, the podcast got a team. Biola's got a team. So you know, it's always we we, we look better because of the good work of our our teams. We we definitely do, and uh, I'm grateful for for you and your team. Uh, you just started at uh, Talbot School of Theology. Last we talked, you were looking for a house, and uh, since you've been in California, we've had a hurricane, an earthquake, 110 degree weather, and uh, lots of stuff. How is it? How's it feel to be to yeah, move here funny. from Chicago? Uh, was, I was actually, I think you you texted me or messaged me or something saying, you know, it's not normally like this. I mean, you know, we started living here on sabbatical in January, and it was like it rained the entire month. Like I, I never heard the phrase atmosphere river until I came here. And then there's a hurricane. What is that? What does that even mean? A hurricane? And right. I'm like, I'm experiencing all this. And it's like, well, welcome to Southern California, where I appear to have brought the apocalypse with me. I think so. I think so. Well, uh, you know, we, we appreciated all the, the rain. It ended what was supposed to be a 50 year drought. Now we have no drought. So, you know, I like that. That's been a pretty good thing. You know, Ed, we are when we look at the church, and I think something that the Lord has used you for in so many ways is to really get into, you know, what's happening with the church. And, you know, we are called to make disciples. I think we, we miss that point an awful lot, don't we? Yeah. 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 And I think it's key. The, the, the role of the church is not performance. It's, it's not entertainment. The role of the church is, is to make disciples who will live on mission, showing and sharing the love of Jesus. And so the command of Jesus is go therefore and make disciples of all nations and, and teaching them. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ramifications when we teach them that come from that. But, you know, I, I was just, I was just today, I was down in, uh, I was down in LA at Faithful Central Bible Church. Uh, Bishop Kenneth Ulmer, now JP Foster, serving there as the pastor. Met with African American pastors and leaders about 
uh, you know, about connecting in the community. And, and that's their, their, their passion was, you know, and so, so wherever you might be, you know, whatever church you're in, you know, ethnic background, cultural context, I mean, the command of making disciples is the central command of the Great Commission. And, and, and I think a lot of times we lose that focus. I, lo- I love that you care about that. That's one of the reasons I think po- people listen to the, to the Pastor Scott show. And, you know, I like to say I'm stealing this from another pastor, but I suppose that's allowed. I mean, we all steal from Peter and Paul every Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes to point out that there's some statistic that says that uh, only 20 or 25 percent of Americans go to church regularly. But what he likes to say is that's not true. A hundred percent of church of Americans or just about a hundred percent have interactions with the church every week uh, because they know Christians. They work with yeah. Christians. They go to school with Christians. And we've got to that's see ourselves pretty good. that way. That's actually pretty good. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, you, you, I like the way you phrase that. I mean, ultimately, the church is not a is not a what and a when. It's a who. So when we say we go to church, you know, I think of go to Mariner's Church, right? So I'm teaching a Bible study there tonight. So I'm, like, I'm going to go to Mariner's Church. But really, the church is not a what and it's not a when at seven o'clock tonight or whatever. It's a it is a who. It's a community of people. In Greek, it's ekklesia. It's called out one. So we. As followers of Jesus, and you and I together, we don't go to the same church, but you and I are both part of the big C church, followers of Jesus, uh, really throughout all time and in all places, who are linked together in spiritual family. So when people encounter us, the hands and feet of Jesus in the world, they're encountering the church. I like that. I'm going to, you said you stole it, so I think I'm going to say from now on, as I've always said, yeah. This is this is what I think. <laughs> I think after two or three people have stolen it, it just becomes yours. It right? just becomes common property. It's right. true. It's just, that's just how it works. You know, I shouldn't really say that, you know, I'm the dean of a school. You are you have to footnote. You have to footnote. But anyway, moving on. Right. I understand that. Uh Tom Mercer, Pastor Tom Mercer. I don't know if you know him yet. Pastor I just literally was talking I was we were back emailed back and forth just a couple of days ago. I love Tom. He's oh great. no kidding. Oh yeah, he's great. Uh so I stole it from him, but he's been a mentor of mine for a long time. So uh uh, good to know. Now you know where you got it, so you can tell him. There you uh, go. Oh, no, I heard that from Scott. He said he made it up. Let him know that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Ed Stetzer. You know, Ed, you're a part of a ministry that a lot of people got introduced to at the Super Bowl last year. It's called He Gets Us, and we see ads and we see uh, billboards and different things. I'm going to play a clip from uh, one of the uh, videos. There's a lot of videos and a lot of things going on online with that. Listen to this clip. He didn't go to college. I never asked for a raise. He didn't wear fancy shoes. I never took out a mortgage. His friends didn't belong to a country club. His parents didn't have a will. So he worked hard and invested wisely, not in stocks or bonds, but in others. Now, that's just a cover video, one of many, and many of them are fun. Many of them are very difficult in a way to watch because they challenge our faith and they really get into the the, the grit of our culture and how we need to do evangelism today. Uh, tell us about this ministry, how you're connected with it, and when we see those billboards and we come across it in different places, what are we supposed to do with it as believers? Yeah, that's a great question. And what to do with it as believers is probably the best question I've been asked about it because the answer is it's not actually geared towards you or me. Um, so the ads are, it's part of the He Gets Us, he gets us campaign. 
like you said, a lot of people became familiar with the Super Bowl. There were two ads on the Super Bowl. Jesus was talked about two times on the Super Bowl, which is pretty remarkable yeah. historically. And uh, and this group of people, you know, who and you know, the news is kind of reported on some of them, and that's and that's fine. Uh, but it's not just the the Green family that some people are aware of from the news. Green family of Hobby Lobby and Mardell and all that sort of stuff. But a group of people really just want to help change the conversation around Jesus, have people talking about Jesus. So the ads in the Super Bowl, one was um, kind of a Patsy Klein song, and then it was kind of a feel-good ad and, you know, how we can learn to get along better. And then the other one was more of, it was a picture of conflict and the, you know, people yelling at each other and music growing in, in intensity. And then it ends. It ended with, you know, Jesus loves the people we hate. And it just reminds people that, you know, this really confounding love of Jesus so the ads will continue to run. I mean, I, I think I don't think I'm supposed to say specifically where they are, yeah. but in similar places and similar conversations will these ads continue. And we're actually probably not even halfway through the, the, the campaign. So lots of sporting events, things of that sort. I was just at the uh, Los Angeles Angels game, and he gets was, was running the ads all over the place. Um, the, the desire is, is that people who are kind of spiritually open skeptics People who are not necessarily Christians um, will see the ads, go to the hegetsus.com website, and then uh, they'll go there and read more. Because, again, you know, you can't really describe the Jesus or the gospel in a 30-second ad. They're, right. All ads are sort of clever designed, cleverly, clever ads designed to get you to learn more. So you go to the website. If you go to the website... You then can start subscribing to Bible study plans. I just reviewed uh, plan number six. We've had over half a million people go to the the website, subscribe to Bible reading plans, learn more about Jesus. And if you're interested, you can actually be referred to a church. The campaigns, over 250,000 people have actually been referred and connected to a church that would affirm the uh, Lausanne Covenant, for example, as a theological statement, most widely diversely used statement in the world. And so that's kind of of the, the, the whole strategy. So for Christians... I would encourage them to see the ads and recognize that's not for me, but it is helping to create a conversation that I can join in. The ads yeah. are specifically designed to help people understand the the human side of Jesus. He was fully God and fully man. And then to want to learn more because they say, okay, Jesus, he gets us and I want to understand him. And then in learning more, they find out fully who Jesus is. And that's your role as a Christian is the, the ad campaign's role is not to, not to, I mean, ads just don't do that. They don't present the fullness of the story. Your job as Christians is to lead into conversations that flow from that, and let's tell people the good news, the whole good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. If you'd like to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. My guest is Dr. Ed Stetzer. You said uh, that we need to change the conversation about Jesus. Why do we need to do that? You know, I agree with you that we need to do that, but what does that mean, we need to change the conversation? Well, I think a lot of people, uh, particularly people who are maybe not particularly religious individuals, maybe you'd be surprised too how many people who have no religious affiliation are actually interested in Jesus. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes they're negative and critical towards the church. Now, let's let me just be clear. There's a reason it's called the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor implies church, right? You don't. Right. You know, they're not just. I mean, I guess you could be just a freewheeling pastor, you know, with a bullhorn driving down with a sign. But I mean, we're you're you're a former pastor. Uh, I'm a pastor in addition to being the dean at uh, Talbot School of Theology. But but what happens is people today in our culture maybe discount the church but are interested in Jesus. Yeah. So what we're saying to them is, okay, 
Um, we're at the, he gets this campaign is saying we're not trying to convince you about everything about everything good about church or whatever, but let's look more into Jesus. Let's let's read the Gospels, for example. Let's what are the truth claims that he makes? We actually one of the Bible reading plans is who did Jesus say he was? Let's let's look into who did Jesus say he was. So I think that's what we mean by because right now we're very polarized in yeah. our culture. You know the the Super Bowl had. Um, Two tweets uh, that were kind of critical of the uh, of the of the whole campaign. One from a very prominent progressive uh, uh, politician, and one from a more prominent right wing uh, political you know uh, advocate. And uh, and it was interesting because the campaign got people mad on left and right. And the whole point is let's learn, let's just learn more about Jesus. That's a conversation I think we can have. The world needs to know. The good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is personified in the work of Christ. Let's learn more about Jesus. Let's tell our neighbors. That is uh, why we have to change that conversation. How do we do that when we're in church and we've had the same conversation for 50 years? Well, I would think that I don't want the church to change what it believes. Well, I mean, unless what it believes is contrary to Scripture. Right. But assuming it's a Bible-believing church. So I think the challenge is the conversation inside the church. Well, let's use your example of 50 years, right, which— which 50 years ago is actually not the 50s. 50 years ago right. is actually the 70s, which is, you know, or it's whatever a, that is. It's a 60s. terrible thing to point that out. But yeah. Well, it is. Like I, someone said to me the other way, you know, 20 years ago in the 80s. No, no, the 80s was 40 years ago. But right. Anyway, that's, we're about the same age, so we're a little bitter about that. We are. Um, but, you know, so 50 years ago, the church, Christians had kind of a home field advantage. So people would talk in the church, and they just go be able to go out and go in the culture and tell people about Jesus. Well, today, it's a much more secular environment, particularly here in Southern California. And so people are now more distant from that. So if I go to somebody and say, well, you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, or all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The challenge is, is like most of my family members aren't Christians. If I say the Bible says, they're going to say, okay, so, you know, so, but 50 years ago, you know, I heard the gospel 40 plus years ago. Um, you know, someone, I, I was a nominal churchgoer. We went to church on Christmas and Easter, grew up in an Irish Catholic mm-hmm. household. And someone said to me, the Bible says this. I was like, well, I better know. I mean, if the Bible says something, I should know about it. And But now people would just discount that. So I think this is where the, the conversation inside the church can stay, because it's hopefully it's a biblical conversation. But now we're engaging a world that doesn't even share basic, like the Bible is true, doesn't even right. share that God is is righteous, not just loving, you know. So, so we're starting in a world that people are are more distant from the truths of the scripture, and so, and that's one of the reasons why ad campaigns, you know, and even like what we one of the things we do at like Talbot, we have a big apologetics program. I think the biggest apologetics program in the world. If you would have said to me fifty years ago, would apologetics be a very big driving part of theological education? I might not have thought at this level. But in a secular world, apologetics just makes sense. You have to make a defense for what you believe. And whereas when I heard the gospel, someone just showed me what the Bible said, and I believed. And I think that's the distinction between that conversation shifts. So when we talk about discipleship in this context, I was reading a book. I actually stopped reading it because I got in the – it was a, written by a pastor, a well-known pastor, and, and I he probably was going in a good direction – but it bothered me that he defined discipleship as discipleship is going to church on Sunday, reading your Bible, being a part of a small group, going to prayer meeting, and that is how we accomplish discipleship. Well, that's interesting. It was a very interesting – it was right in the, like the introduction, first part of the book. And I thought, he, he surely probably changes that later. I don't even know because it, it bothered me so much that it had nothing to do 
with the the pagan, if you will, or the person who doesn't know Christ, the 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 child who you drag to Sunday school, but they don't really believe. It had nothing to do with making disciples of Jesus. It had to do with making people into church people. You know, how do we get out of that rut yeah. of just being yeah. well, church people and instead being yeah. disciple makers? Well, I think certainly we've got to get to better definitions and better biblical clarity. Um, and so, you know, disciple making, you use that term disciple making a minute ago, and I love that, um, you know, is the making of disciples. Disciples are disciples of someone. We're specific, you know, there were other disciples. People were disciples of other rabbis. So we're talking disciples of Jesus. So now the things you listed, like this pastor said, was discipleship. Those, it sounds like this pastor confused the goal, which is discipleship, with tools. And we don't want to confuse the tools and the goal. So, so. Is it great that somebody comes to church like we're doing? We're launching it. Eric Geiger and I are launching a series this week on uh, on it's called Deep Dive. It's kind of a systematic theology course for for regular people at our church. You know, I think that's great. But someone could go through that whole thing and not become more like Jesus. They might know more. They might you know, they might know the Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Mosquitoites, yeah. but they might not necessarily uh, be transformed. So disciple-making should include knowledge, but it's broader than that. It's teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Uh, looking at the rest of the Great Commission, make disciples, teach them to observe all I commanded you. So I, I think ultimately Christians, and, and I would say too, I mean, you know, most people listen to your show aren't pastors. Pastors listen, but most people are regular people, love yeah. Jesus, regular Joe and Jane. And, and I would just say that for who, as followers of Jesus, for us to prioritize the growth in Christ-likeness in our lives is an essential responsibility. And it's not really even fully the responsibility of your pastor or your church. It's your spiritual responsibility. Ricardo picks up the Bible, says, I'm going to study the Bible, and I'm going to grow. I'm going to be part of my church because that's part of it. But he's got to make that choice. She's got to make that choice. She's got to just be on that discipleship journey. Do you feel like people in the church feel a lot of pressure as we say that? Oh my gosh, I have to do this. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, but again, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is yeah. light. So, you know, I just, I just, I just picked up, I was, I'm, I'm doing this for my, my home office, which I haven't used for, for, uh, for a few days. I had to move some things around. I just picked up these little journals that, that they gave out at the uh, opening ceremonies. They're not called opening ceremonies. If I, if I knew more about Biola, I'd say what it was called. But they gave out these little things, these little journaling gospel of John Bibles. Well, you know, students took that home and started, um, and started making in their journal. And maybe it was five minutes. Maybe it's new to them. Maybe they haven't done this. You know, I mean, a lot of you, you'd be surprised at how many 17 year olds come out of high school being in youth groups and, you know, their youth group has been like a four year holding tank with pizzas. Right. And, you know, and so we're just trying to say, let's start that disciple making journey. Well, that might just be beginning of a five, 10 minute quiet time each day. Some are much you know, further along. And I would say for all of us, it doesn't have to be a burden, but it should be a discipline. And, mm. and a burden is something you don't want to do. It weighs on you. A discipline is something that in doing you grow. And the more you do, the more it becomes rooted in your life. Yeah. You know, if you're talking to uh, our friend, Tom, uh, he's going to tell you about your oikos, the 8 to 15 people that God has strategically yep. and supernaturally placed in your relational world, that discipleship begins with the people that God's placed in your life. And it's that simple, really. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And I think the, the oikos is a Greek word, kind of means household. And all of us have, and I didn't, I, you know, we gotta, I got to like email Mercer and say we talked about him on the program today. He's a, he's a great guy. And I keep inviting him on, but he's always in Hawaii or someplace whenever I, oh, you know. Gosh, tough life. Tough I know, life yeah. suffering for Jesus. But I will tell you, you, you people in California and Hawaii, 
Like for us, like I grew up in New York City and then I live in Chicago, to go to Hawaii is to us like going to Sao Paulo. And, but for you guys, it's like, oh, we're going to Hawaii. What does this even mean? So I, I, I don't think that way. But Tom, enjoy it. But what I, what I would say is, is that relationship. Now, again, we think of discipleship as a post-conversion experience. I think part of what Tom is saying in that, of course, I, don't, I haven't heard him specifically say this, is that your oikos is your disciple-making orbit. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm at my house, and I'm actually intentionally engaging my neighbors. I won't mention their names on the radio. Yeah. But, uh, and maybe, maybe they're listening, but I'm, I, I make a map of my neighborhood. Of, and I don't know yet, like in my last neighborhood, I made a map of who I knew was a Christian, who was not a Christian. And I seek to build a relationship with everybody. But for people who are not believers, I want to be salt and light to them, invite them over, build community. And we're going to do that here as well. Again, last time I saw you, I didn't have a place. Now now we do. And But that's part of my oikos, that relational network in my community that I want to engage. And that is a simple thing that everybody listening can do. Figure out everybody. who's in your life, your coworkers, your classmates, your neighbors. Yep. And just write their names down and start praying for them and say, God, exactly. how can I be used in their life? And uh, you will be amazed and and you will be excited about how fast God answers that prayer. Uh, yeah, for in, sure. In I, I talk about keeping a map and a list. So my Bible yeah. is too far for me to reach and stay with you on the microphone. But I, I keep in my Bible a little map of my neighborhood. I've drawn out you know the houses, the names, because I want to remember people's names. A lot of people don't even know the names of their neighbor. You know, right. And, and so, so write down their names, pray for them, and then I keep a list because not everyone fits on the map. I've got coworkers. I recently had a great spiritual conversation with the, the guy who cuts my hair. Um, and, you know, and so, and I need to get another haircut actually, but, but, you know, in doing that, what I do is I've got a map that I pray for, and I got a list of people that I've engaged and I'm praying for. And this is not, don't please, if you're listening, well, you are listening because you're, you're listening my words, since you're listening, do not say, well, that's, you know, Ed's, yeah, Ed's the Dean at the Talbot School of Theology, Ed's a pastor. That's his thing. No, no, this is something every Christian can do. And I would say that they're actually commissioned to do. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. So you're sent to your neighborhood. You're sent to your workplace. Say, here I am, Lord, send me. doesn't have to be super complicated. You don't have to memorize all kinds of you know, presentations, but you can show and share the love of Jesus to your, to your, your sphere of influence. That's right. And it will change their world and yours. i got to take a break. Ed, can you stay with me another segment? I can, sir. Yes, sir. All right. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Dr. Ed Stetzer. He's the Dean of Talbot, Theological, Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And uh, we will come back in just a moment. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence and how that factors into uh, ministry and the church today and each one of our lives. We'll be back as the Pastor Pastor Scott's show, Wednesday edition, continues. Stay tuned. Oh, uh, are we back? You're back now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you're talking to Tom. He's yeah, got- a good deal. We, 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 wanted, we invited some of the pastors to the, the – it was actually He Gets Us Night at the Angels game. Mm. And so I reached out to some pastors and invited them. And so he's one I, I know. And we're not close, but I know him. Yeah. He part. He was part of a mentor group that, uh, when he was pastor at High Desert Church, he came down to San Diego. His daughter was on my staff, and he came down and mentored sometimes as many as fifteen pastors. Uh, really? Yeah, every month. That's and, so cool. And it was great. And you know, most of us bought into the oikos thing. I like it. I like yeah. it. And then people give me coupons for uh, yogurt all the time because of that. Yeah, no, it is true. It's so like it's like it's confusing because there's that, and also you know, Lifeway was where I used to work, and then Lifeway became a yogurt. So I'm like, okay, it's <laughs> right. kind of confusing. So yeah, uh, you're right to talk about AI. 
artificial intelligence? Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. Okay. I'm going to look what Tom said. Oh, he was preaching. It was Saturday night. He was preaching. Yeah, I've, uh, I need to get him on, you know, it's, uh, he's been busy and he had some health stuff and stuff with family. And so I kind of give him like this quarterly invite. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know he was a Talbotcrat. He's even says he's a Talbotcrat. Yeah. And he, uh, uh, our show is much bigger now, so uh, he'll maybe get some stuff out of it. He's trying to make the or- the Oikos thing a bigger thing. Yeah, the Oikos movement. Yep. Yep. He's a good guy. I got to tell you, it changed my church. It really oh, did. Oh, that's so cool. We just handed out Oikos cards. I probably said it in every sermon. Oh, I love it. Wow. And uh, it works really well. Very cool. You've had some uh, some loss since you moved out here. Uh, yeah, my stepfather was uh, yeah. killed in a in a car accident. It was like the person on the other side of the four lane highway had a heart attack. She died, mm. I think, before the accident. Car was moving, you know, sixty five crosses the median and kills him. So it's yeah. like, wow. So we're next next week. I'm going down to Orlando to do the memorial service. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about that. He knew the Lord, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he did. He was actually a priest. He was an yeah. Eastern Orthodox priest in the Antiochian tradition. Yeah. That's another subject. Uh, maybe uh, another time. But how many Talbot guys do you think are going into that sort of ministry? Uh, pastoral got, or orthodoxy? Uh, pastoral ministry, but maybe in orthodoxy or in uh, uh, Anglican churches or sort of high liturgical. No, I think probably like the former provost converted to orthodoxy, John Mark Reynolds at, at Biola. I think probably it's not as much as like Wheaton happens a lot. Hmm. But, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a. Maybe it's almost like an elite evangelical thing. I'm, you know, I came to Christ in the uh, in the Episcopal Church, and you know, people are always like, "Well, don't you feel drawn to Anglicanism?" I'm like, no, I'm just like a low church Bible guy. Give me some songs in a Bible, and I'm happy. Yeah, you know? I got a couple of friends who were uh, Baptist pastors who became Anglican. Really, that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, not not really appealing to me. Are you gonna do calls? Yeah, if they call, we had a call on here and it, it dropped off, but. Uh... Let's say something controversial. Let's say Chrislam. Let's talk about Chrislam. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I know. I, I'm trying to figure out how many years I should work here before I start to uh, really do stuff like that. Yeah, that'll rile them up. You get the calls. I had a great uh, April Fool's thing planned, and I just thought, ah, I haven't been here long enough to do that. <laughs> it was going to be. Uh, it was going to be an app, a phone app, that it was. Uh, it will reserve your seat at church. Uh, and it was called Paper Pew. And I've got a friend, and we were going to just do the whole thing. And That's the more awesome. you paid, the better seat you got. That's awesome. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Dr. Ed Stetzer. He's the dean of Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. He is a teaching pastor at Mariner's Church in Orange County, and uh, he also hosts the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine. And uh, am I forgetting something? There's uh, there's other things that... Uh, Motivational speaker who lives in a van down by the river. Down so by the, the river. All right. We have a nice-looking van, the conversion vans that... Yeah, uh, those are so cool. I've been telling my wife we need to get one, and she's like, I said, we can just travel across the country and she said, you could travel across the country in a little van. I'm not interested. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way it might be in California for a lot of us pretty soon. That's true. Actually. You know, one of the things in, we're talking about ministry and making disciples and what that looks like in uh, 2023. And uh, you mentioned the last segment, you know, that, that 2023 is as far away from 1980 as 1980 is from 1937. Oh my. Isn't that painful? Uh, anyway, it's it literally painful. Like literally, I feel it in my bones. Like every I gotta, I, I gotta feel it. True. It's very but true. When you think about that, though, so much has happened in that gap in that period of time. And one of the things that's right here with us, it's a big theme that is in the writer's strike that's happening in Los Angeles. It's going to affect every person's job. We've already got emails from school, our kids' school about it is artificial intelligence and how that is going to play out in the world. And it's going to affect your church. It's going to affect your pastor. And uh, Ed, you recently had some discussions about this uh, on your, your podcast. Uh, tell we us did, about We did three, a three-episode yeah. series in, in talking about artificial intelligence. And, and I tell you, it was you know, podcasts are a weird thing, right? So, you know, when we have on, um, you know, somebody well-known, the podcast numbers go, we had Francis Chan on and podcast numbers go up. But what was interesting was we talked about uh, AI with people that you probably didn't recognize their name. You know, they're kind of mm-hmm. experts. So three people in space, one of them was a, was one of our professors at Talbot. Uh, and what, what was interesting was, was that people were just, you could just see people were interested in this topic. So, and I'm headed to uh, Orlando next week to talk about this with some denominational leaders and some pastors. So, you know, so, so how do we think of AI? You know, and, and obviously, and it'd be interesting too, because, you know, I, we, we, we need some calls. It'll be fun to have some calls about AI. Maybe we could get AI to call. Maybe we can. Oh, uh, I bet our, my guys probably work on that. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to call and join our conversation. And that, was, that was not AI. That was actually Pastor Scott. That voice. was actually but, me. So what's fascinating, though, is like people are, I mean, unsure, is this an existential threat to humanity? And the answer mm-hmm. could be yes. Yeah. Um, is it going to stop? The answer is definitely no. Right. So the, and and it's, it's right now, a lot of it's based around what are called large language models. So basically, it takes all the words on a topic, and it's very confident. So if I type in, like I use, I'm using, just trying to, because I'm, I'm part of this, we have this thing at Glue. Uh, I work some with Glue, and it's we have an AI in the church initiative. I think it's glue.us slash AI. And we're actually doing a hackathon, which sounds like a scary thing, but it's <laughs> like we're bringing, but the whole point is we're bringing all these people to Glue and Boulder. And, and we have teams and it's the, and it's called the hackathon, but you got to come up with AI strategies that help advance the mission of the church. Hmm. And there are, there are ways to, to help this. For example, yeah. you could create on your website, uh, an AI model that answers questions that are just, you know, kind of basic questions, you know, uh, now the challenge is, and this is why I think Christians need to be engaged and involved in AI. It's going to continue to go forward. And right now, if you look at, there's chat GPT and then there's Bard, oh, which is two different companies. You know, one of them is actually like gives more progressive answers than the other. Uh, one of them won't answer, you know, one of them actually answers Christian questions differently than the other. Why right. is that? Right. Because 
it's basically what is what is brought into the large language model is what it produces out. So there's actually going to be Scott. There's actually going to be AI models that will 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 be built by Christians that are going to be kind of brought in with a lot of different resources. One of the one of the AI stories that was done, they they brought in um, sermons actually as, as part of the the different sources that they listed. And I just want Christians to be in that conversation to say, no, this is a terrible idea sometimes, but yes, we, we actually want AI answers. Now, I want you to know, if you're using AI um, as a professor, we can tell. Right. <laughs> we, can, we can actually <laughs> That's tell. That's what I've told my kids. They can this. tell. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is it's wrong. It's confidently wrong all the time. So somebody showed me, they typed in, you know, find me Ed Stetzer quotes. And, and it comes back with a bunch of quotes. And they happen to be from friends of mine <laughs> who were not me, but they says with confidence, Ed Stetzer said this. So what I would say is, but it's going to get better. It's going to get better. So if you typed in chat GPT right now, plan me a five-day trip up the coast of California, it'll give you some pretty remarkable specific answers. you got to check them because yeah. it could be wrong. And I think it is Web 3.0. There's 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Web 3.0, where we are now. Is going to change a lot of people's jobs you're listening right now. It is. It's going to change everything. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is uh, Dr. Ed Stetzer from Talbot School of Theology, and we're talking about artificial intelligence. You can join the conversation if you're a real person or not at 888. Either way. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You said something I think that is really crucial here. And if people are, we've talked about it on the show, you know, off and on, that the way this works, though, is you actually can go into your computer like you're going to a website or Google and you're going to look for information. But chat GPT or artificial intelligence with text and there's other stuff with pictures and, and yeah. amazing things. Mid journeys famous. Yeah. Yeah. You you can actually have a conversation with it. So. Oh, yeah. And you go back and forth. Hey, give me a trip up the coast of California. Give you some ideas. And you can say, well, what if I stopped here? What would you advise? And the amazing thing is it will interact with you like it's a real person. And But what you said, I think, for us to keep in mind is it is wrong sometimes. Yeah. And it can Regular. be wrong about the gospel. It can be wrong about our faith or doctrines or anything like that. But that's a way that people are going to be using it. Yeah. So, so when, like, uh, remember, ChatGPT is tends to be. I mean, there's a story I'm looking at right now on my screen, the Washington Post. ChatGPT leans liberal, research shows, and that's yeah. in the Washington Post. So it's, um, and then of course, Bard tends to be more so. But in both cases, like I use ChatGPT, and it gets to know me, and then it answers. So it's not just like, like if you went on and asked me, ask it the same question I asked, we get different answers because it knows me now. So, so I would ask it to describe the gospel, and because it's from Ed Stetzer and I've interacted, it's actually pretty good. Uh, my concern is for people who just walk in and say describe the gospel, it's it's going to be it's going to be very convoluted and strange. And yeah. so, so what I would say is uh, because it's actually it's just basic. You know what it is? It's, here's here's a phrase. This is probably why I got an email from your kid's school. It's kind of a giant plagiarism machine, right? So what it's doing is just taking so many things together. But sometimes, like the whole sentence could be plagiarized from some other source. Um, so, so I do want us to influence, to input into AI. So the answer is, I would like someone to say, when we type in, "What do Christians believe about the gospel?" I'd like it to actually reflect what Christians really believe about the gospel. So, you know, this is why Christians need to be involved in technology, involved in AI, and and be involved in these spaces. And I think it's it's important that we not leave this. Because, you know, Christians, 
Like even remember, remember back in the day, we're about the same age when man, it was like, should our church have a web page or right. not? And, you know, and a lot of churches were like 10 years later than everybody else. Mm. And I just want us to be in the conversation, influencing it for good and influencing it for the gospel. Yeah, that matters a lot. And, you know, that was the same thing like social media. Should we have a Facebook page or, yeah. you know, whatever? Well, that's where people are. That's knocking on doors today is getting on their phone. You know, that's that's where you do that. When you talk about it being a, a plagiarism machine, you know, what would your advice be to you know, pastors, small group leaders? You know, what do you tell your students about this? I had to do a sermon. I asked it. I said, do it, write me a sermon on First John. Yeah. And you know what? In 15 seconds, I had a, a sermon on First John. It was dry, didn't have, uh, you know, any good stories in it, but it was pretty good. You yep. know, the content actually was excellent, except there was one verse that was actually in the Gospel of John that it applied Right. So I thought, that's interesting that it made yeah. that mistake. But otherwise, it was super good. It was pretty good. No, I'd done the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so what I would say, and if you had taken it in the next step and said, find me some illustrations from history that relate to this text, it would have given you that. And you said, find me some illustrations that other ministers may have used that relate to that. So if you keep asking questions, it keeps doing this. But here's the thing. Um, I was talking, again, one of the podcasts I did is with uh, Miharetu Guta. He's, again, a professor and really, he's at, he's at Talbot and just really helping to lead some of the conversation around artificial intelligence. And he talked about how you need a policy, you know, mm. and so I, I know it's strange, but your church probably has some policies. You probably need a policy on how your staff can or cannot engage artificial intelligence. And I would say that it's a bad idea for pastors and Bible study leaders to be, because I'm 100% sure that Pastor Scott did not say, write me a sermon on First John and preach that. You were doing I experimentation, did not, just like I did. <laughs> right. right. I did the same thing. I, I picked a narrower passage. I did Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9, which is a very super, like it's the canonic hymn. It's a very famous theological passage. And I was pretty impressed with what it produced, though two or three things were wrong and one thing was clearly heresy. So, so, yeah. so I'm not counting on ChatGPT to know the nuances of canonic theology. Yeah, right. I think so. What I would say is, you can, and I'm so I'm not anti AI. Remember, I mean, I'm part of this glue AI and the church initiative. Yeah. I'm part of the trust council that we're trying to build. Um, but what I would say is, use it as research, but you got to verify. But I will tell you, when I asked, like I put in, a, you can put in a sermon. So I put in a sermon and said, I'd love to get some good illustrations. I mean, I didn't say I'd love to get. It. I said, yeah. find me some good illustrations to illustrate the second point of the sermon. And it came up with five or six. I said, give me five. It gave me five. And I said, one of those is really good. And then I Googled and found the factual story behind it. So it, it's what I would say, use it for ideation, use it for research. Uh, but you need to know it's going to keep getting better and better. Yeah. And it's going to have significant ramifications in almost every field of every person listening on the radio today. Yeah. Hey, Ed, let's take a call real quick here. And then we, we have to go to break. But let me get to the, uh, Craig here. Craig in Universal City, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. How you doing? Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is learning how to question with questions. Because if you ask the question, what questions, question what do Christians believe? There's so many Christians out there, Christian faith range of answers. I don't think you can get a good answer if you ask a more specific question or a, what do people think about this question. I think maybe you might get a better answer. Are you talking about Maybe's how to how to share the gospel, how to make disciples conversationally yeah. Yeah. with people? Yeah. I think I think the important thing is to learn how to properly ask a question of a search engine. Oh, I see. Now, that'll definitely help. Thank you for your call, Craig, on that. You know, as you use, use these things, you do have to learn how to do it. But I've, I find AI to almost be like uh, Wikipedia. It's pretty good, but you've yeah. got to be careful. 
Yeah, someone someone said and it was really insightful. They said it's like a brilliant photographic memory five year old. Yeah, and and you have to sort of recognize like he was he was saying you got to ask the right questions. It's not going to figure it out on its own, but it's going to get better and it's going to have ramifications. And we need to have ethical standards and we need to have Christians engaged and involved in the subject. Yeah. All right, Dad, I got to take a break. We'll be back. Uh, the number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Pastor Scott Show. You can give me a call if you want to join with uh, Ed Stetzer. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you. By the way, if you want to go to the uh, Pastors Conference tomorrow, I think there is seats available for that. Just go to kkla.com and click on the li- the link for that. We'll see you in the morning at 8 o'clock at Azusa Pacific University. And uh, my guest is Dr. Ed Stetzer. He is from Talbot School of Theology, just uh, not too far away from uh, that other campus there at Biola University. And uh, he is also a teaching pastor at Mariner's Church. You know, when we're talking about the culture today and engaging with the culture for believers, what are some other issues? We've been talking about that really a lot on our show today, and it's so critical because what – well, ultimately, it's critical because Jesus has asked us to do that. Right. So how do we do that faithfully? What are some other yeah, so areas? We live in a day yeah. when it's okay to believe anything as long as it gives you meaning and you know, you know, helps you to find who you are. And what I would say is it's, it's, it's both challenging and, oppor- and an opportunity in a culture like that because it's challenging because we as Christians, we believe in a universal truth. We believe that uh, God is God and God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And we, we believe those things. We believe those things to be true and knowable and expressible through words. So, and these are things that are kind of far into the world in which we live today. However, at the same time, everyone can have their own truth. And what I would say, I just want to encourage Christians to kind of step out of the closet and actually say, if everyone else can share their truth, we too should share our truth. So I think ultimately, and this is, this is something that happens at all kinds of levels, all kinds of places. You know, I was just like I was on campus this morning and, you know, we see these kids. I mean, sorry, we're not supposed to say kids. We see these right. students. We see these students. But our age got there anyway. And, you know, and we're, you know, we got this new film school. This, uh, I guess this film school exists, but now it's called the Snyder School. And and these students, student, not kids, students are learning to, to you know, do their the skills, the amazing work they do at the film school, uh, cinema, media arts. But then to go into that workplace in a world where everybody there is going to say, uh, well, this is my truth and I want to show my truth maybe through film and through my workplace and my relationships. And I just think, and we, we, we're convinced of Biola, and I think Christians need to be convinced everywhere, we can do that. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's legally clearly protected. Like, in the, you know, unless you're, got your boss and there's like you're trying to force your, 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 your people you supervise to go to a Bible study. But, you know, hopefully we're all smart enough not to do that. But you can share your faith with people. You can tell your story. Everyone three three cubicles down is telling their story about their truth. So let's engage and say, you know, here's here's what we what I found. Yeah. And here's what's how my life has changed. And we we call that in our world telling your testimony. The world calls that telling your truth. But either way, let's do more of that. I think we get distracted in some ways, maybe by the the phrase "my truth" because it's so contrary to what truth is that I would have a truth and you would have a truth. But that distraction itself becomes a hindrance, maybe, to us sharing our story. Would you say that? 
that our response maybe to some of those issues in our, our culture today keeps us from just being free to just share our story about Christ. Yeah, and I would say, too, I mean, I probably wouldn't say the phrase my truth because I do think it's a universal truth. Yeah. But, you know, your your um, your neighbor of another faith, you know, your 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 Muslim neighbor is not going to have any difficulty saying this is what I believe. Yeah. And your atheist neighbor is not going to have any difficulty saying this is what I believe. And they're going to say it as it's true and transform their lives in some ways. And I would say, so I don't necessarily think I'm going to use the phrase my truth, but I'm going to acknowledge that in a world where everyone's giving my truth, I should give the truth, and people will see it as my truth. But here's the great thing. You know, Jesus tells us to, again, we started the show by talking about making disciples of all nations. And so so we do that by telling the true story of the whole world, that through creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, the true story of the whole world. And so, again, for them, it's going to see as their, as their truth. But here's my concern. I think in an open time, I mean, just, just God, think about this. Like, everybody was talking about The Chosen, right? Right. Everyone's been talking about the He Gets Us ads. Uh, a lot of Christians were talking about what's going on at Asbury not that long ago, mm. or Jesus Revolution, you know, the film that got so much attention. Why is everybody interested in Jesus, and Christians seem less interested in talking about Jesus? So what I would just say is, again, let's let's step up a little bit, because... Again, that person three cubicles down is happy to talk to you about crystals. Is happy to talk. That person five cubicles down is talking to you about uh, what do they, they call us? Like like lotions and potions that people use. Those yeah. What do you call that? Something oils. Um, uh, what is that called? called? A, I'm, I'm panicking right now. Yeah, these essential oils. Essential. Right? They're essential. Well, thank you. Thank you. So you and can use them like during the their radios right now. Essential oils. Yeah. And what I would say is, man, I get you're excited about essential oils. People are excited about their grandkids. I'm excited about the true story of the whole world. Jesus came, changed, entered history. I received him by grace and through faith, changed my life, changed the world. And if someone can be excited about essential oils, I'm going to be excited about the essential truths of the gospel. I can't know what I can't say what essential oils are, but now that I remember it, I want to be excited about the essential truths of the gospel. I think my wife knows what they are. Is your wife essential oils? Well, oh, she's not uh, into it in any spiritual reason. I think I just come home and there's this machine putting stuff out, and it has it has a you know. Brother, it's it's a cult. It's yeah, a cult. You, it's you probably to... not essential oils. It's probably air freshener. Well, okay, well, that's so a I, I probably have that. You know, right now, if we start talking about essential oils, your phones will light up, my friend. <laughs> you know, how many of you are into these things? You know, how often uh, how often do you think of the Roman Empire? Uh, just uh, offhander. I think of the Roman Empire at least twice a day. Who doesn't think? What? What? Who doesn't? Everybody think of the Roman Empire? And who? Who doesn't? That is a a meme going around in social media where men think about the social media and or the social media. We think the Roman, about right. the I Roman think Empire. Social media more than two times a day. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, and it's a funny thing because women are going to ask their husbands or boyfriends or dads, you know, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And they're floored to discover it's a lot most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that also says something about humanity and and maybe in this case the difference between men and women and how we think but that's that's also something to pay attention to in how we share the gospel is that people are interested in life and in yeah. you know how things are built and why things are the way they are that's a big thing that's behind all of that yeah, you know, I think it is. Yeah, that's why people think about the Roman Empire, and I, I 100% agree. And for me, you know, and people are talking about this around water coolers. If you're not on, if you're not on social media, this sounds like a very strange conversation. But there's like a, a meme that kind of went just crazy viral. So I tweeted the other day. I'm going to bed thinking about the Roman Empire. You know, because everyone's talking about how often men think about the Roman Empire. But I also like the answer. I think about what happened in the backwaters of the Roman Empire, where 2,000 years ago. 
there was God the Son, born Jesus the Christ, who lived the sinless life, who died on the cross for our sins in our place. You may notice that I like to bring things to the gospel. Yes. Died and rose again on the third day. So again, even that, I mean, what I would say is, like you mentioned that he gets us ads at the beginning. Please, fellow Christians, followers of Jesus, people talk about the Roman Empire, talk about what happened in the Roman Empire that changed everything. People talk about he gets us ads at a Super Bowl event or maybe some other sporting event. Pick up the conversation. Don't say, well, I would have done that ad differently. Tell them, well, what did you think? What do you think about Jesus? What do you have questions about Jesus? Let's talk about this. Let's have those conversations. That's a great way to do it. And it's all around us like that. And right. the, the opportunity to share your faith is around us. So I would say, like we said before, pray about the people in your life. Ask God to use you in their life to share the gospel, to meet their needs. And you're going to see that conversation come up. You're going to see God answer that prayer in tremendous ways. My guest is Ed Stetzer. Ed, thanks for joining me today. Good to see you again, bro. Yeah, good to see you. And uh, Ed is the dean of Talbot School of Theology, and he is a in scholar in scholar in residence and the teaching pastor at Mariners Church in Orange County. And uh, how do people hear your podcast, Ed? Uh, they go if they go to churchleaders.com slash podcast. Actually, they just Google Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast or edstetzer.com. It all goes. It's it, you know, When you have an unusual name, you don't have this problem. When you have an unusual name, you're easy to find online. Yeah, that's right. There's not a lot of Ed Stetzers out there, but maybe there'll that's be true. an There's AI three. one. Eventually. My father and a distant cousin. Really? Yeah. Yep, it's true. true There's story. a lot more Scott Furrows than I would think um, out there, but uh, still not that many. Ed, thanks for being with us today. Really Thank appreciate you, you joining us on the Pastor Scott Show. All right. God bless you. All right, everybody. You know, the conversation that we've had today, it just matters because we're talking about the eternal destination of every human being, ultimately. And we are given the the grace to know that through Christ, we have everlasting life through Christ because we've received uh, his sacrifice for our sins and forgiveness. And that needs to be a part of our regular everyday life and something we share with the people that God has placed in our relational world. We call it Oikos, uh, the 8 to 15 people that God has purposefully and providentially placed in your relational world, I like to say. You can just write them down, and uh, I would encourage you to do that. If you're dry in your faith, if you're just kind of wondering, what what do I do? Do that. Write those names down of those people that are in your life, your coworkers, people that you go to school with, your next door neighbor, maybe your Starbucks barista if you're there too often. You know that person. They know you. They hear your conversations. Maybe God has put you there for a reason, and uh, that that barista, that neighbor, that that classmate, that's the reason. So write their name down, pray for them, and ask God to use you to make disciples in their life. And then you become a disciple yourself and follow Christ, get into the Word of God. That's what we want to do here. Everybody, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast of our show. Look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts and click follow or subscribe or whatever that button says on there. And you can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, X, or whatever we're supposed to call it, and Instagram. And uh, there's probably some others out there. And uh, Uh, You can watch us live every day at kkla.com. Grab the video, grab the podcast, share it with your friends, tell them about our show. Thanks for being with us today. We'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.